right, we want to welcome everyone on this first Sunday of the new year. And also want to take a moment, as I do every single week, to look into the camera and say a big hello to all those joining us online, along with all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. We love you guys. We believe in you. Come on, D-Town. Hit me welcome our church family today. awesome. Well, before we jump into the message, I do want to remind us that tomorrow morning we're kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Anybody excited about what God's going to do in their lives this year? I told someone before service, I'm not necessarily excited, but I'm expectant. I don't necessarily love denying myself and sacrifice, so I don't know if I'm excited, but I'm expectant about what God's going to do in my life, in my family, and beyond as we just pursue God, and we, we pray right here tomorrow morning, and we just start the year off by putting God first. How many know when, when, when things get in order, when we put things in order in our life, things start to happen? And it's such a special time of the year as we just make room for God. And and here's our hope as we start the the, the new year is that our faith would go to a whole new level. I mean, like every single year during the fast, man, God does what only he can do. We hear stories every single year of how he opened doors that, that weren't possible for any man to open, how he redeems lives, he restores relationships. There's miracles that happen and we all are blown away because God does the impossible. And every year we look back and go, man, can you believe what God did? And our faith grows and our faith builds. And with that said, today we are starting a brand new four-week series called Faith That Pleases God. I just want to say that I believe that these, for many of us, the next four weeks are going to be a defining moment in our relationship with God. And I really have one goal and one purpose only, and that's to allow the teaching of God's word to build our faith. And in this series, we're going to be diving in and studying a story of a character in the Bible named Elisha. And, and I want, but first, before we kind of unpack his story, I want to kind of lay a foundation for us to build upon as we talk about having a faith that pleases God. Because how many of us know faith is a, is a big word? Faith can feel like a a broad subject, and it's a big word that can be hard for us to kind of understand and and grab a hold of. Faith. Faith in God. Has anybody ever told you that? Just have faith. Have faith in God. And you're like, what does that even mean? What, where do I, I would love to have faith in God. And why are you saying God like that? I don't even know. Do I have to say it like, I would love to have faith, but, but where do I even begin? And what does that look like in my life? And it kind of reminds me back when I was single, I asked a married couple the famous single question. And, and that was, how will I know when I find the one? Come on, where are my single people at? How will I know when I find the one? And this joker had the audacity to look at me. He goes, you'll know. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? He goes, you'll know. Like doing it again somehow made it more clear for me. You'll just know. And I was like, no, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. My knower doesn't work. My knower has been broken for years. That's why I'm asking you, dude. Single people, how many know that did not help me out at all? 
And you'll just know. What do you, what do you mean when you say that? And it was such, the, such a broad answer and it, it made it seem even more massive. And I think sometimes we look at the word faith and it feels so big. What does it mean to have faith? What, what is faith? How, how do I get it? Where do I find it? And as we study the Bible, we see that every person that stepped out and was used by God in a, in a miraculous way, all of them had faith. As we study scripture, we, we see that every person who had this deep and meaningful relationship with God in a way that like changed their life, it changed the way they lived, every single one of them had faith. And even as we read through scripture, we see over 240 stories of faith. And so when it, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our relationship with God, how many know it's a big deal? It's a big, faith is a big deal when it comes to our relationship with God so that we can live the lives that our creator designed us to live. Now, one of the best places in the Bible to read and study about faith is Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as this, this hall of faith where the chapter begins by defining what faith is, talking about it, and then it just goes on this journey of listing person after person after person who had incredible faith. And one of the most important verses to help us understand faith is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Let's, let's start off by taking a look at it together. It makes this statement. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, that's a big statement. Like we can't please God with doubt. We can't please God with unbelief. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, other versions say, diligently seek him. And so we see from this passage of scripture that, that to grow our faith, to strengthen our faith, we need to earnestly or diligently seek him. This is important because if we feel like we're kind of wavering in our faith, or if we feel like our faith just isn't that strong, if we're struggling with doubt, if we're struggling with unbelief, we read this passage of scripture and we see that God is telling us through the truth of his word not to shrink back in those moments of life, but instead to go to another level in our pursuit of God, that we would earnestly and diligently seek him, even though I'm kind of struggling in my faith. We see that faith gives us the secret to pleasing God. It's this, this big reveal that faith is the key on how we please God. And so the question is, what is faith? What does that look like? Well, the chapter begins by giving us this definition. Let's take a look at it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith. In other words, faith is active. That for faith to be real, it has to be active. That it's right now. Like many of us today, we don't need a faith for next month or even for next year. We need a faith right now for our marriage. We need a faith right now for our family. We need a faith right now for what we're dealing with. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, for the, and, for, and the assurance about what we do not see. Did that clear it up for, for everybody? Everybody's pretty good on faith. Now let's pray as we close the service, right? I might, some of us might even be more confused before we even read this verse. Like, what does that even mean? How do I have an assurance into something I don't even see? And how can we have a confidence into what we don't see? And the Bible is telling us here that it, it isn't seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing. 
that faith has this future element to it, that faith has this invisible element to it. That's faith. Like faith is a response to God's promises and provision. And so what is faith? Let me kind of simplify it for us. Faith is believing what the Bible says, regardless if we see it right now, regardless if our minds can, can understand it, regardless if our experiences and our circumstances can make sense of it. Faith is believing the truth of God's word, regardless if I see it, regardless if I understand it, and regardless if I can make sense of it. Instead, I'm going to choose to stand on the truth of God's word and that God will do what he said he will do and that he is who he says that he is. That's faith. And as we study the life of Elisha, what we see is this faith in action, this faith come to life. And as we do, I believe that God is going to stir and build our faith. And so let me give us a little context as to what's going on when Elisha first comes onto the scene in 1 Kings chapter 19. That's going to be the text for the rest of our time together, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. But before there was Elisha, there was a guy by the name of Elijah. Now, some people get these two guys confused, and something that helps me out is simply to remember that the letter J comes before the letter S in the alphabet. And so Elijah with the J comes before Elisha with the S in the Bible. Now, for you educated folk, that might seem a little too simplistic for you, but for us GED people, it makes perfect sense. I'm just saying. It's worked for me. Now, Elijah with the J, the first one, he was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. I mean, he was bold. He was courageous. This guy was full of faith. He was one of the greatest prophets of the entire Bible. And just so we're on the same page, a, a prophet was simply someone who was called and inspired by God to speak God's word and his will to the people on God's behalf. And as we study this story, what we see is this, this passing of the baton from Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, to a man named Elisha. Now, what's interesting about Elisha, the second guy, is that he was just, he was a very ordinary individual. Like he wasn't the son of a priest. He wasn't a monk that lived in the mountains. He wasn't like some sort of spiritual giant. He was just this ordinary guy who was working on a farm when God called him to do something incredible. And the context of this story is that he lived during the time, uh, the time of ninth, the ninth century BC. This time was, was when Israel was actually divided into two kingdoms. And so there was extreme tension in the nation. And many people had abandoned their faith and they started following the false god of Baal. And God raises up this ordinary guy named Elisha to do something extraordinary through his life. And so let's take a look at a story. First Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. These are going to be the verses we'll study today, and we'll read them, and then we'll break them down verse by verse. And so verse 19 says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? 
In other words, what's happening here is Elijah is telling Elijah, you can go back to say goodbye, but don't waver in your heart where God is calling you to go. And verse 21 says, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He, he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Today, I want to talk to us. The title of the, the message is Plow Burning Faith. Plow Burning Faith as we study Elisha's story. And so let's take a look again at verse 19, the middle of the verse where it tells us what Elisha was doing. First Kings 19 it says, Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12 pair. What we'll notice is that Elisha is doing the same job that he had been doing for a long time. He was working on this farm and driving these 12 yoke of oxen. And I want us to think about the monotony of what it would be like to plow behind a yoke of oxen day in and day out every single day. Like, what would the sights be like as you got behind this yoke of oxen? What were some of the smells that you would encounter as you got behind this yoke of oxen? What would, what would your scenery be like? What would your office window look like? That's exactly what it would have looked like. This was Elisha's view. This was his office window, day in and day out. How many of us know you could see and smell some different things when you're walking behind a plow and seeing that every single day? And when you're plowing behind oxen, it can be very tedious work. And so for Elisha, the scenes and the sights and the smells were the same. It's good, hard work. In fact, many scholars believe that he, he might have worked for a wealthy landowner. And so Elisha, his job had a lot of security, but it also had a lot of monotony too. And I couldn't help but think as we study his story that maybe, just maybe, some of us might feel a little bit like Elisha. Maybe we're not plowing behind a yoke of oxen, but we feel like we're doing the same thing day in and day out. Day in and day out. And we... We just feel like life is really monotonous. Maybe we're going to the same job with the same people doing the same thing day in and day out, day in and day out. Or maybe we're in sales or we work at a manufacturing plant and we feel like, man, it's just meet this quota and we meet the quota and it starts over again. And we meet the quota and it starts over again. We meet the quota and it starts over again. We meet the quota and it starts over again. And we feel like we're just plowing behind a yoke of oxen and or maybe, maybe we're raising a young family and we feel like all day, every day, it's diapers, dishes, laundry. Diapers, dishes, laundry. Diapers, dishes, laundry. Oh, what's it today? Oh, it's diapers, dishes, laundry. And it can be incredibly easy to, to start to lose our passion when all we see is the backside of a yoke of oxen. And this is where Elisha was. Now, I want us to apply this story to our lives. And so today, as we study Elisha's story, I want to give us three principles of plow-burning faith. Three things that we can learn and take with us as we study Elisha's story. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, pull out your phones, type it, write it, memorize it. The first principle of plow burning faith is this. Number one is that faith is believing even when I don't see it. Faith is believing even when we don't see it, church. Even when we look around in our lives 
and nothing seems to be different. Even when we look around and everything looks the same and we can't see on the surface like anything's happening. Faith is believing even when we don't see it. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can't help but think maybe, just maybe, as Elisha got behind the plow day in and day out, there might have been one day, at least one day, where he thought to himself, man, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more than what I'm doing than plowing behind this yoke of oxen. But yet I want to point out that he remained faithful right where he was. Because faith is believing even when we don't see it. Now, there's nothing wrong with plowing the fields. And even though Elisha's life was good, God was working behind the scenes to give him an invitation to something greater. And I wonder how many of us today would have the, the faith that even though we can't see it, we're believing that God has something greater for us too. Greater than our past that we came from, greater than the labels of, of our past, greater than the shame we carry around with us because of mistakes that we've made, greater than the abuse that we suffer at the hands of people that we once trusted, greater than the hell that we've been through and the trials and the hardships of our lives, greater than the regret of missed opportunities, greater than maybe even some of the earthly success that we've experienced that brings no eternal reward. Now, something I want to point out and that we need to understand is that I'm not saying that if we're working a steady job at a manufacturing plant that God has something greater for you and that you're wasting your life. That's not what I'm saying. Or if you're in the business world, that God has something greater for you and you have to go into full-time ministry if you really want to make a difference with your life. That's not what I'm saying at all. Sometimes, sometimes God calls us from where we are to a different place and where he wants us to be. But oftentimes, it's not that God calls us to do something different, but oftentimes God calls us to do what we're already doing in a different way, with a different reason, which will ultimately lead us to an entirely different sense of passion. Maybe some of you, when you hear greater, you think I'm saying better, like God has something better for you. That's right. I hate my job and my boss. I'm going to quit and get a better job. But maybe God's not calling us to quit our current job for something better. Maybe God's calling us to show up at our current job with a greater sense of purpose and destiny so that we don't just stay behind the plow and mindlessly go through life. Maybe God's not calling us to leave our spouse to go find a better one. I can get an amen there. Maybe God's calling us to engage their heart with a greater love so that they become a better person than they ever knew they had the potential of being. Maybe God's not calling us to step out, but instead to step up right where we already are. Elisha was being faithful in the task at hand. And I just believe with all of my heart that God loves to reward those who are faithful in the little things. How many of us know if we're faithful in the little, then he can trust us with much and Elisha, even though it may, it may not have been his favorite thing to do to plow this yoke of oxen, and even though it could have been incredibly draining physically and emotionally, he was faithful. Why? Because faith is believing even when we don't see it. And then in the middle of his faithful daily routine, God sent someone new into his life. Take a look at it. First Kings chapter 19 says, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. What in the world is happening here in the Bible? What does that even mean? Well, his cloak would have been kind of like a coat that was made out of animal skin or animal fur. And this would have been like his covering. 
And what Elijah did was take his covering and he put it on Elisha and basically symbolically said, that which covered me now covers you. The mantle that was on me, that mantle is now on you. The authority that I'm under, now you're under that same authority. God's hand that was on me, now God's hand is going to be on you. You're going to become my student, and I'm going to become your mentor. And as God has been working through me, now God is going to be working through you. And he put his mantle or his covering on Elisha. Now, something I want to point out to us is a second principle that we can learn about plow burning faith. Write this down. Number two, and that is faith is obeying even when I don't understand it. Come on, faith is believing even when we don't understand. God is calling Elisha to follow Elijah, and he's not going to know all of the details. I mean, when God calls us to something, we don't have to understand all the details to obey. Let me say it like this. We don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Why? Because faith is obeying even when we don't understand it. And so Elijah puts his cloak around Elisha. And then let's take a look at what happens next. Verse 20, 1 Kings chapter 19 says, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Now notice that Elisha didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to do a list of pros and cons, and here's all the reasons I should do this, and here's all the reasons maybe that I shouldn't do this. He didn't have to consult his counselor. All he did was say, God, I believe that you are in this. I don't know all the details, but I'll do it, because faith is obeying when we don't understand it. And how many know the truth is God rarely gives us all the details when he calls us to something? You want, I feel like God would say, you want all the details? You can't handle the details. Like God would say, if I gave you, if I showed you all the details, you wouldn't show up. Anybody else? I mean, I, I, I always like to say, if God would have told me 20 years ago that I would have been a pastor, I would have ran farther than Jonah. I would have come up with a better plan than Jonah. I'm just saying. In fact, because I, I never had the desire. I would have ran. That was too, too big for me. There's no way I can do that, God. How many know God just shows us one step at a time? One step at a time. One step at a time. Will you have the faith to take your next step? Will you have the faith to take your next I'm not going to show it all to you, but will you have the faith to take your next step? And this is what he does in the life of Elisha. And I, I, what I love about God is God will often guide us by just giving us one word. Has God ever done this with you? Just, just giving us one word. Just one word sometimes is all that God will give us. And in those moments, it needs to be enough to go on. I'll give us an example from the Old Testament. I mean, you can think about Moses, but I think of one word, especially when it comes to Abraham. When God told Abraham, he gave him one word to, to go, to go, go to the land that I am showing you. Go. There was a one word that he gave. He didn't tell Abraham where to go. He just says, go, and I'll show you along the way. Just take your next step. Peter in the New Testament, when he's with the disciples in the boat, they look off across the water and they see Jesus walking on the water. And Peter goes, Jesus, Lord, if that's really you, tell me to come out there. And what was the one word that Jesus told Peter? Come, come, Peter. 
come. And the same thing will happen to, to every single one of us. Some of us, we may hear one word from God, and I don't know what that word will be, but maybe in our marriages, we're, we're struggling and we're going through some rocky times and we're thinking about cashing it in and we just hear one word, one word, and the only word we hear is stay. Stay. We don't have to fully understand to obey, and so we just stay. Some of us maybe are facing a health situation or somebody we love is going through a, a difficult time. They're struggling in their health and we're, we're, we're trying to figure out we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. We understand why this is happening to us, but God's going to give us one word and that one word is trust. Trust me in the midst. It might not make sense. It doesn't understand your circumstances. Just trust. Or maybe some of us have this idea Maybe to step out and, and start a business or, or maybe a ministry or, or maybe some of us, God's given us this idea to write a book and we're thinking, how can I do that? When am I going to have the time to be able to do something like that? Where would I even get the resources to do something like that? And God's going to give you one word and that one word is start. Just Start. You don't have to know all the details or understand everything. You don't have to know how the story's going to end. You just have to do one thing. Start. Step out and start what God has put in your heart. Maybe others of us, we've been starting to come to church and man, God's becoming real and God's doing a work in our lives, but we, we, we still, we're just kind of observing. We're still kind of sitting on the sidelines and God may give us one word. That one word is commit. Commit. It's time to move from being a spectator to a participant. Don't just watch what God is doing. Man, get involved and commit. Some of us, we're going to hear one word from God, and we're going to be crazy. We're going to be crazy enough to say, God, I believe you're in this, and I don't have to understand. I don't have to have all the details. I'm in. Because faith is obeying even when we don't understand it. Faith is believing even when we don't see. And then the third principle of plow burning faith is number three. Write this down. And that is faith is surrendering even when I want to hold on to it. Even when I want to hold on to it, faith is surrendering it. Watch what Elisha does in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21. It says, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. I mean, these were the animals that, that brought his livelihood. And what does the Bible say that he did with the oxen? The Bible says he slaughtered them. He killed them. Then what did he do with the plows? He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Elisha made a bonfire out of the plowing equipment and he cooked steak for his buddies. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So, so what did he do? He killed the cows and he burned the plows. He killed the cows and he burned the plows. Now, killing the cows makes sense to me because who doesn't love a good steak? But then to go on and burn the plows, like that doesn't make any sense at all. It was almost like Elisha was saying, I'm burning plan B. There is no plan B. It's total surrender. There's only plan A. Why? Because we can't step into our new life until we first set fire to whatever is keeping us tied down to our old life. Before we can move forward into the life that God has for us, we have to offer him every part of the life that we currently have. It's a matter of surrender. Will we burn the plows? Faith is surrendering even when we want to hold on to it.
that we have to be ready to say, God, whatever you're calling me to do, I'm in. Whether it's a big thing or a small thing, whether it means leaving something behind or becoming more passionate about where I currently am, I've decided to follow you. No turning back, no turning back. And it reminds me of a story that I, I heard a few years ago that really impacted my, my life. I'd love to share it with you today. Maybe you've heard it, but on February 19th, 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez set sail for Mexico with uh, 11 ships and around 600 men. He was going to not to find treasure, but to go and take it. You see, they already knew where the treasure was. The only problem was there was a bigger, stronger army that was guarding and protecting it that had never been defeated in battle, though many had tried. And as they landed on the shore, Cortez commanded one thing from his men, burn the ships, burn the ships. And as his crew watched their fleet of ships burn and sink, the reality sunk in that they could not go back to where they had already been. They eliminated the possibility of sailing back to the old world that they had left behind. And as a result, they did what others couldn't do. You see, something changed in their thinking. Something changed in the way that they saw their situation. When going back to where they had already been was no longer an option, they were able to go where they had never been before. Burn the ships. Burn the ships. Burn the ships. Come on, we're not going back to where we've already been. Come on, burn the ship. What did Elisha do? He burned the plows. There was no plan B. You're calling me to go? God, I'm going. I'm burning the plows. I'm leaving it all behind. There is no plan B. There's no coming back to this. And maybe, maybe some of us today, we need to burn a plow. I don't know what that would be in your life, but if there's anything keeping us back from serving God, we need to burn that plow. If there's any sin holding us back, we need to burn that plow. If there's doubt in our life, we need to burn that plow. If there's a relationship holding us back, come on, somebody today is gonna burn that plow. We're not going to let anything keep us from following God because faith is believing even when we don't see. Faith is obeying even when I don't understand it. And faith is surrendering even when I want to hold on to it. Plow burning faith. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and how it speaks right to our hearts. Father, today, as we bow our heads and our hearts in your presence, our prayer is speak, Lord, we're listening. How do you want us to respond to the message today, God? We don't wanna just be hearers of your word, we wanna be doers. Speak, Lord, we're listening. As we're praying together today, you know right now, God's spoken to your heart and there's a plow that you need to burn. Maybe it's a sin, maybe it's a struggle, there's something in your, and God's saying, we need to burn that plow. Burn the ships. We're not going back to where we've already been. Come on, we're starting this new year out, going places we've never been before, and it starts with burning the ships. And I don't know what that would be. Maybe it's a big thing in your life, maybe it's a small thing, but you know right now God is calling you to burn the plow. And right where you're at, would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, that's me. I know there's something in my, God's calling me to burn the plow. 
Come on, lift your hand to heaven. There's something in your life right now. This is a sign of, of responding to God's truth. Yep, there's something in my life, God. I know what it is. It might be big, it might be small, but I'm burning the plow today. I'm raising my hand as a sign of surrender. Here it is, Lord. I'm gonna believe it even when I don't see it. I'm gonna obey it even when I don't understand it. And I'm gonna surrender it even though I'd like to hold on to it. And as I raise my hand in this place, from this day forward, God, I'm burning the ships, I'm burning the plows, and I'm leaving it behind. No more is gonna keep me back from you. Father, I pray a blessing over every hand raised. God, you know the situation, you know the struggle, you know what it is, God. God, I pray you give us the strength and the courage to burn the plow, to have the faith, to trust you, to go to places we've never been before, to leave some things behind and to step into a new year and a new season of life. Wherever you want us to go, God will go. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do. Here's our lives, God. We're gonna burn the plow. I speak this over us in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue praying together today, I want to give you some, some of us an opportunity. Maybe the plow you need to burn is the total surrender of your life. Maybe you know about God or you've come to church, but you've never fully surrendered and burned the plow. I'm leaving my old life behind and I'm stepping in to follow you. Here's my life, God, which you've always wanted. With every head bowed, every head closed, if you need to make that decision today, come on, would you lift your hand to heaven? I'm leaving an old life behind. I'm burning the plow. Here's my life, God, which you've always wanted. Here's my heart. And right where you're at, would you pray this prayer? Say, God, thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for calling me to higher heights and greater depths in you. Thank you that there's more that you have for me and I want it. So right now in this place, here's my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Forgive me my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all I did today.